Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this beautiful Friday morning by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how the hell are you? Dave, it is so beautiful. I'm looking out my window, man. It's pretty. It's you are, really nice. Are here you do 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 looking out your back door? <laughs> wow, you're kind of dating yourself there, Credence Clearwater. I don't think I'm dating myself. It's not like I was alive when that song came out. That's true. So you're not dating yourself. (laughs) No, no. I'm a man out of time. See, I say that and I date myself. Yeah. That's not fair. It's totally fair. It's totally fair. My parents forced me to listen to a bunch of oldies and stuff. So that's what you're getting. They did you right. They really did. Completely did you right. They sure did. My kids listened to all like history of rock growing up. And then my wife, when she's driving them around, would always have the oldies, but, you know, goldies. So they are vital components of any bar trivia team now because they know all old movies and old songs. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to know all the slappy hip hop guys today, but to know, you know, a Sam Cooke song, that's that's pretty key. It's true. It's true. Well, bother me tomorrow. Today, we will buy no sorrows, Tracy, because UCLA may eventually here soon have a new defensive coordinator. That was brilliant. You like that? I love that. Seriously, really admired that. Yes, we just broke that news. Um, first off, I'm just going to say, <laughs> uh, somehow the story got kind of funked up when it was uh, originally published. So you saw a lot of HTML and then of course, Dave's just skillful ability to manage HTML fixed it. But there was a whole page full of HTML. <laughs> Did you see the forum follow-ups day where some guy said, I was going through all of that to see if there was any hidden clues. <laughs> Secret code. <laughs> Come Secret on. That code. was brilliant. That was uh, it's so good. It's so good. good. I mean, and there was like, guys and you missed it. So. Starting with the I'm hearing two days ago, uh, which turned into a really, really good and informative thread about how to clean out your ears. Have um, you? Have uh, So how do you clean out your ears? Okay. So Tracy, I am, I, you may think of yourself as a uh, uh, manufacturer of earwax, mm. um, you know, uh, you know, non pareal. I am the king. I am the king of prodigious earwax. Do you have a picture? creation um i could show you stuff that's about the size of a cockroach that's come out of my ear i i have a comparable picture and we should both put them on the forum and see who wins right my point is i have done many things so i'll go back so look we've got a lot to talk about but i'm gonna give you about three minutes no, right let's here. do this all right so uh when i was 15 years old i went swimming and when i came out of the pool uh i couldn't hear and uh, i couldn't hear for like the next couple of days and i'm like oh and being a young lad who's not willing to, like, ask anybody for help, I was like, oh, I guess I'm just going deaf. Okay. Uh, and I proceeded to uh, operate that way for about a year uh, where my ears were just permanently clogged up. Finally, I'm like, well, I'm 16 years old now, and I still can't really hear. I'm picturing you with big hair and a beard at 16. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm always saying, like, huh, to my friends. So... I should probably just go see what's going on. And I go in there and the doctor, uh, she looks at it and is like, oh, my God, there is so much earwax. In you are 100 percent clogged. Right? Yeah. yeah. And she goes in with the 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 water pick is what they call it, I think, yeah. um, where they're and she's got the warm water and the saline solution in there and goes to town. And I get out of there and I can't walk. Yeah. Like because I, it was I, so painful. Oh, right? my God. Couldn't yeah. do it. But yeah. it was a life changer. Absolute yeah. life changer. I felt like I was um, daredevil. Is it daredevil? Yeah, yeah. You're what? hearing something. Yeah, no. I I could hear. I acute. could hear. I could hear people walking. I could hear hundreds an ant of feet away. crawling. Yeah. No, it was incredible. Um, but since that day, I've been. You know, uh, now I'm I'm kind of focused on the whole subject. Uh, yes. Whenever my ear starts to go, I, I either go to the doctor or. I do my own home techniques. Now, the big thing with the home techniques doesn't now, work. I, this is a this is a big, big caveat. Here. Doesn't work. No, no, no. I've found a solution that works. However, there's a big downside, which is 33 percent of the time I give myself a swimmer's ear when I do it. Oof. But you yank down on your earlobe, oh. 
you take the water syringe, the ear syringe thing, you fill it with warm water, and you squirt that sucker into your ear canal, point it upwards, and you will clear out some major earwax. I've done that very thing. Doesn't work for me. I, I feel well really good that it works for you. You the have thing- to be you have to be willing to stand on the knife's edge of potentially doing serious damage to your ear. Right. That's or- why I'd rather now when you go into an ear, nose, and throat guy, they are so good at it. They use some. I, I think they even use laser. They they get in there and because I've had it my whole life too, and I've gone through where, oh no no no, you're you're hitting my eardrum and that hurts. <laughs> Right. And that's can be one of the most painful things you can ever deal with now. So I'm still skittish and I go into my guy and I can just barely feel it. And there's no pain and it just goes. And then he pulls out a thing that is the size like of a a, a cockroach. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, And like the. You'll be amazed at everyone out there if you haven't done amazed. this. The size of the thing that gets pulled out of your ear is nuts. I turned my son nuts. I turned my son onto it. And he's all, oh, come on, come on. He is obsessed. Now. It's incredible. It's incredible. It, people, he just go, goes to do it just to feel good. Now, now yeah. it's, it's something, you know what? I had some problem. I'm going to go get <laughs> It's like his therapy. Yeah, no, you will, you will feel a sense of euphoria when you realize how um how numbed your ears were how yeah. unable to hear you actually were are you, you both ears or oh yeah, yeah. no one I, pre- i'm both but i've got one one's just i walk in and he gets they give you a percentage right and yeah. he goes 100 percent. yeah every time yep 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 the other one is like 95 well but- i do the uh i do the rub my fingers test so rub your fingers about an inch from your ear and tell me if you hear it um, yeah. And at what level you hear it? Because that's the best test. For if you guys are, we're, if you are one of those guys that where you just have a sudden chunk of wax that falls out of your ear all of a sudden, yeah, you need to go to. And trust me, what Dave said, if that works for you, fantastic. But never worked for me. Doesn't work for a lot of people I know, and they just go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. It doesn't then you're need not to be endangering. And, and so an ENT guy, great. If you can do that, great. Your PCP can also do it, and I like to use it as a little bit of a rite of passage with my PCPs um, because it's it's fun to make them do it. Um, hey, I, I got to tell you know one quick story, too. You know that's why they went to medical school to clean out your ears. One quick, very similar story. So when I was um, 16 years old, I went to go see Led Zeppelin. It was, to this day, it was the loudest concert. Uh, I, you could not determine a note. It was just a wall of sound. Of, not even of sound, of of just a massive wall of noise, um, and it was it was bad. It was so bad. So I go back up. God, I can't. I don't know if I think it was the forum. I go back up into the lobby because I didn't have earplugs. Which stupid sixteen year old. So I might have been inebriated. I don't know. But I I started plugging my ears with napkins because I needed. And, and it still didn't do any good. My ears were ringing for days and days. So then at a pool in my backyard, we go swimming. My ear, uh, This is about a week and a half later. <laughs> my ears are plugging just like yours really badly. Just couldn't hear. And then the person I'm with looks in my ear and says, what is this? And pulls out a, pulls out a big chunk of napkin. I had shoved it so far down in during that Led Zeppelin concert because that it was so loud. And I do have hearing damage to this day. And of course it was listening to loud music in the seventies, but it was that concert where right, I, I did most I, of my I got, damage. I got another one and this one I'm going to keep. People really hate quick. us right now. But this yeah. is going to be a Cliff's notes, but friend, uh, sister of my friend, uh, she claims for years, a June bug flew in my ear. A June bug flew in my ear, and everyone thinks she's absolutely insane, right? Like, just batty, like, full on. And she's, like, a little bit kooky anyway, so you're mm-hmm. like, okay, you're just making stuff up. But she talks about it for years and says, I can't hear because there's a June bug in my ear. She gets doctors to look in there, and they're like, I don't see anything. One day, she's uh, in the bathroom, and my friend is in the living room, and she hears her yell, I got it! No way. And she pulls out the like desiccated corpse of a June bug 
from inside of her ear. How could she find it and the doctors could Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it blended in. I don't know. Wild. June bug in her ear. So everyone anyway. go to the doctor and look for June bugs in your ear. Did you know Toby birth uh, Toby Bailey was also born on November 19th? 10 years exactly before me. Coincidence? I think not. Do you guys look alike? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so Bill McGovern. Uh, <laughs> God, people hate us. Bill McGovern. Um, uh, uh, as we, as Tracy reported this morning, uh, likely uh, no longer going to be UCLA's defensive coordinator uh, next season. Uh, will be a one year, one year, one and out uh, for for Bill. Um, and that obviously leaves you know the potential speculation to begin on who will be the next. But um, I think. Uh, as we've talked about extensively, um, the defense is the limiting factor and has been for the entire Chip Kelly era. Um, getting this next one right is you you can't you can't underscore enough how important that is uh, for the future of the program, the future of Chip Kelly at the program. Yeah, I mean, we've come down to it. I mean, there are most of the times there are plenty of different factors which determine if a program is successful. I think everyone could probably, even the Chip Kelly detractors could say, if you get the defense right, and, and Dave, when we're talking right, we'd be talking top 50 defense in the country, not even top 25. Top 50 next year. Yeah. Um, you got something here then, right? Um, you've got some, you got some things happening. You've got the offense, which is proven to be a superlative offense in college football. Um, you're getting some guys through the transfer portal. Uh, programs on good fo- footing. Everyone's so concerned with the culture. Culture's great. Um, but it's the defense. I mean, that's where where we've been. So just um, let's just do a little, I guess, fantasizing. You plug in a good defensive coordinator. Now, we're in... What is this? February 10th. Um, spring practice will start in, uh, well, you know, last year it started in. I think the, the last two years they've done April. But April. Bef- before but that, they were doing the split spring. They straddled it. Yeah. yeah. Don't know what they'll do this year. So it's either late March or beginning of April. Um, I'm absolutely certain they'll make a hire by then. It'd be crazy if they didn't. And that kind of sets you up for um, the transfer portal opening again in May. If they get, I'm not even going to say a big name guy, but let's say a big name guy and and or a reputable guy. You could see them also getting some defensive transfers because of the new defensive coordinator. Um, and not just, I know we've all said, that transfer portal opening up in May is going to be a lot of guys who didn't win a starting spot on their current teams. There could there could be some guys who are disgruntled where they are, who are starters or near starters or younger types who have a lot of potential who feel, oh, I really like that defensive coordinator. I like what's going on there. And there's just always the element of new and fresh, right? UCLA's yeah. got a lot of things going on that's positive. They need a defense. Now they got a dynamic defensive coordinator, I'm going to go in there and be the cornerback they need. So there, that that opens up a new defensive coordinator would open up a lot more potential for transfers in May in the, when the transfer portal opens up again. Um, I have heard a few names. I really am not comfortable mentioning them right now because I just... I need to solidify the information a little bit more. Some have been pretty big names. Um, that would probably make all the bros pretty happy, but I just can't do that right now because if that doesn't happen, I'll get killed. And I, I, I don't completely rely on the information that I've been getting yet. I just need to check into it more. So all very encouraging, wouldn't you say? I would say it's very encouraging. Um, it's, uh, you know, it shouldn't come as a surprise uh to anybody out there that this is happening, given what uh, you've been saying for a month and a half now about this. We kind of laid it out, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, 
doesn't take uh, sometimes i'm kind of amazed at how well uh certain people on our message boards read between the lines and sometimes i'm amazed at how poorly um don't forget there's a bbs i just can't believe it yeah but um this is i mean this is part of that whole chip kelly being kind of um uh i don't know if recommitted is the right word but maybe it is um but you know re-energized uh wanting to actually see if he can you know take this thing out and make it work. Um, So I I think not even getting into specific names, I think what you're going to see is UCLA do a real, uh, uh, make a real effort, real strong um, pursuit of um, some potentially very good defensive coordinators. And if that happens, uh, I think it's kind of the same thing. You know, we get, when the coaches are bad, what we're often doing on the message board and in our analysis is we're talking about players and like, oh, God, this guy's just not very good and all that kind of stuff. And as we always learn, when the coaching changes, it's amazing, almost always, how much better the players look. Um, there's some talent on this defense. I don't think it's the most talented defense UCLA's ever had, and there's some clear deficiencies, but... I think you're going to look at some of those deficient players and you'll still be like, well, he's playing a lot better this year if they get a good defensive coordinator uh, because good coaching can mask weaknesses, accentuate strengths, um, fit personnel in a way that bad coaching can't. Um, And I don't even think McGovern was necessarily that bad. I think he was probably a clear upgrade over Jerry Azanero, Uh, but he's not great. Um, and I'm very interested to see what this personnel looks like with a very good defensive coordinator. I think it could be pretty good. Um, and we can talk about, uh, what might go in to the decision, uh, salary (laughs) for one thing Uh, at this point with UCLA still fairly much in debt and probably at least a couple of years from getting any big 10 media money you know again i i've heard a lot of things i i'm i don't feel confident about how much ucla could afford and and honestly i i don't know i haven't heard the details of the agreement with bill mcgovern um if they're going to if they've settled if they're going to have to carry the nine hundred thousand dollars for the second year of his contract uh I, i haven't heard those details um, so that's, that's questionable right there is how much they can afford if a month and a half ago, two months ago, I was hearing there was some resistance to overall from the administration, from, um, a new DC, just because of what they would be able to afford. Uh, but we'll see things might've changed, especially if things have changed with on the McGovern, uh, uh, salary front. So there's that to consider. There's also um, to consider the, the type of scheme. Uh, UCLA is built right now personnel-wise for a f- uh, basically a, a 4 two, five. Uh, If you switch that up, let's say to a 3-4, th- that's a major switch in personnel. Uh, guys who generally are hands-down defensive ends, even though they call them outside linebackers, will be stand-up defensive ends, outside linebackers. It's That's such a different skill set, different athleticism, different everything. Um, th- there's a lot of uh, one gap, two gap. There's It will be interesting to see if... So there's two lines of thought. Um, can you go out and get a super elite... DC and somehow you can afford him, but he runs a three, four or you emphasize more a DC who already runs a four, two, five and the personnel matches it more. Now, if you're talking about, you want to win shorter term, you'd probably want the four, two, five longer term, like a three, four, it's going to take you a while to accumulate the personnel that's going to work in that. So I don't have an answer there. But I'm just saying, these are things to consider. You gotta, you gotta get a coach who can play with the personnel right now. So, so there, we just solved that. I just, yeah, I mean, and Dave solved it. 
Chip Kelly's Chip Kelly's got to win now, and he's in a win now until he wins something big, and then he gets a little bit more time to work. But, but Dave, what if there's a three-four guy who's like one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, much sought, and for whatever reason, salarizing, he wants to be there. Then you, you the thing is, you got to assess your personnel and say, okay, can this guy adjust? Is he going to be still good if he adjusts? And if he doesn't, and you don't have the personnel for it, then you can't do it. You, I mean. It, Chip Kelly has to win right now. He has to win this season, and he has to win next season, and he has well, to win the season after that because he hasn't accumulated any goodwill. I, I'd um, say this, though. I agree, but I'd say he could use next season as a building block for the Big Ten. Though. It, it, let's say you had that elite defensive coordinator. You come in and you say, well, let's give him a year of transition and we can get some players through the transfer portal in time bad, for the Big Ten. It can't be bad, though. It can be it can be okay. He can win eight games next year hey, and still hey, keep his job. They won nine games last year with a crappy defense. If they go seven and five next year, though, with a crappy defense that's rebuilding and an offense that doesn't have Dorian Thompson Robinson, Zach Charbonnet anymore, then he might get fired. He has to win at a reasonable level next year with a weak schedule. All things to consider. Yeah. It's just not as easy as everyone like go out and get the best defensive. Get this guy. Doesn't matter the salary. Doesn't matter the scheme. Yeah. We're just pulling you behind the curtain so you understand everything that goes into the decision. And y'all yeah. can Speculate discuss it on the forum. Please and do. come to no conclusion. But, yeah, there you go. Please. But very do. exciting exciting stuff. I, I would anticipate, like I said, that there, there are going to be – the transfer portal opening in May for 15 days, May 1st, May 15th, is going to be very exciting with a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, should we – Switch over to basketball? Surely. All right. So basketball. Um, just... Dave, can I, say, can I ask one thing? Because you, yeah. you're running, bro. Can I, I did the story on the ESPN Power Index. I did the story on the basketball roster, what it could look like next season. That took a lot of work. Uh-huh. I, I broke the news. I'm, can, I, can I have the rest? And I'm doing this with you. Can I, can I have the rest of the day off? No, Sorry. Sorry. <sighs> We do, we do, uh, slave we do, driver day. We do man. 12 hour days, 60 hour weeks. That's just what we do. Can, right? can I eat lunch? Not at my desk. Would that be okay? You can have 20 minutes. Okay. Scarf it down. Um, yeah. Trace has been doing a lot. He also stayed up way, way late, way past his bedtime last night till like 10 o'clock to, to write about the Oregon state. Let's game talk about too. that game. All right. UCLA. I actually uh, banged that one out fast. That was easy to write. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a, I, I was right there with you. Very enjoyable game. Uh, UCLA beat Oregon State 62-47. Really should have been 62-42, 65-42. They were up by 27. Yeah, point. UCLA went gong show in the last 90 seconds. Pretty clear that Mick was just kind of f- having some fun out there, too, because he had Mac Etienne and Kenneth Nawuba out there on the floor uh, together for a good portion of it. Um, and uh, guys were just turning the ball over being silly at the end of the game. Uh, but it was a it was a uh, convincing uh, win. Now it's Oregon State. Oregon State's bad. Uh, if you watch that game, come away with it. Oregon State is bad. They've got some, you know, Jordan Pope. He can play, uh, but it's a lot of pieces that don't fit together yet. Um, they don't really pass the ball. Uh, a lot of attempts at one on one scoring, but a lot of that was also forced by a really really good defense uh from ucla they played really good defense um and it was kind of a bunch of different guys jalen clark played pretty well amari bailey i mean whatever 24 points fine his defense was awesome in this game uh he was he was just lighting it up at both ends of the floor he was the best player on the floor David Singleton played some great defense. Great defense. He got he got he got slung into the low post several times. Several times in defense. And one time, uh, Jaime came over for help and uh, fouled the guy. And I wanted to see David Singleton cook because he had great position. Uh, on, that was a bad decision on Jaime. Yeah, totally bad decision. That was a, that's a difficult shot. Let him take it. Yeah, um, but there was I mean there was a lot of really good stuff defensively. I mean Adembona did not put up numbers, but I thought he played a really good game. Um, and even yeah, Jaime Hawkins. My Jaime favorite ha- thing, just I got to keep saying is because of old man, I'll forget. So I'm sorry I'm interrupting. No, please do. But his hedges, they, so they bring me just singular joy every time he goes out and maximum hedges. 
mean, yeah. he hedges out to the half court line. And then he recovers back into the paint to pick up the post again. He's he's it's really fun because he's chills. He's a significantly better prospect, but uh, it reminds me most of Alfred Aboya. The way that Alfred could move at times, um, where it was just like you're not six eight, you know. You're but uh, Adem's more fluid, even. Oh no, it's that. he's a way better prospect. But that's the thing that because like you think about like Lorenzo Mata's like hard hedges; those were good, but it was all like technical and strength. Um, Bona's just freaky. Like when he gets switched onto a guard, I'm like, oh, I want to see this. I want to see this happen. Yeah. Um, because he's just got that. Uh, incredible quickness, incredible agility for a guy his size. I love watching during the course of a game. It, it's really fun. Uh, in Washington State happened where he gets a couple of blocks. Now it's going through every the opponent's mind. Uh, even if they turn the corner, they're all, uh, no, I, nah. can't ta- I, I can't do this. <laughs> and he's just looming there. He doesn't even leave his feet. And they're all, nope, nope, I'm going underneath the basket and kicking it back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's something else. He's, uh, he's really coming into his own. Um, and even in a game like this, again, he only, I mean, whatever. He had five rebounds and three points, but just affecting the game um, at so many different levels. Um, but we, we, I mean, we need to talk about Amari Bailey. Amari I mean, Bailey was freakish. Yeah. Um, and, and you can still see he's a freshman, right? Oh, there's yeah. Still, there's, there's a lot of ceiling. Uh, I mean, just it, it's going to blow the top off the ceiling potentially. And I got to tell you, too, I, I'm just going to say this. I went back and looked at tape of him as a junior in high school. He still doesn't quite have the athleticism he had as a junior, which is amazing to me that he's still this good of a player, but he's still scratching the surface. I mean, when he dribbles into the, you know, takes a strong controlled dribble and then pulls up and makes that shot. Most of the time you're thinking, ah, is he going to make that? But he is now. And he's always been a really strong driver. And now, and remember, he kind of didn't convert those early in the season, and now he is. Yeah, um, he's got elite body control. Yeah. So there's – and wait, wait, wait. He was key in so many uh, um, secondary assists. When they're moving the ball around, he was vital in, uh, uh, in one more pass that found a guy open. Yep. Uh, so many different parts of that game that, that he impacted – last night on both sides that were just that were fantastic it's so good to see to watch a kid do that right yeah and his um jalen clark's a junior his anticipation level on defense uh bailey is not quite right there with him but not too far off and he's a freshman uh like just like from a prospect evaluation standpoint there's a reason one of these guys was a five-star out of high school And, Um, and, and i want to talk about david singleton too because yeah, we know he was always going to impact the game with his ability to come in and hit threes. Um, but so many things are also... You, Lori. In, yeah, that was Lori. <laughs> you have airplanes. I have my wife sneezing again in the background. Uh, <laughs> she sneezes like a jet engine. <laughs> okay, I've got the laughs now because that's so funny. Um, David Singleton. David Singleton. Impacting the game on so many other different levels. Just, uh, yeah, okay, so we talk about three-point shooting, then you talk about the leadership. He's a good defender, Dave. Yep. He's a, there, how many times were there some guys who caught the ball or dribbled into the paint, and they had nowhere to go? They're pivoting all over creation, and they could not get a shot off on him. Really yep. impressive what, he, what he's done. So, yeah. Got to give, got to give Mr. Singleton some credit for yeah. how he's developed his game and expanded his game. Yeah, and I would say, like from a macro perspective, like uh, things that like might be a little bit concerning still. Um, too many turnovers, way too many turnovers against a team like Oregon State. Um, well, at the beginning of the game too, I, I mean, it was mostly what the first ten minutes, and then well, then at the end. So yeah, but there was all. I mean, there was stuff sporadically throughout. So Will McClendon only got credited with one turnover. He should by all rights, get the other two that were credited to the team because both shot clock violations came when he passed up a shot. 
You know, you jinxed it. him, right? Yeah, I totally did. But um, he he needs to start taking shots. Um, even if he's missing them, he needs to take Here, shots. Here's another thing that I want everyone to, and I'm so glad you brought this up. So David Singleton from just two years ago. Let's say David Singleton from his freshman year. Completely, really a different player. I mean, he was a good shooter, not an incredible shooter, but now he's a great shooter. So many different aspects of his game have developed. Will McClendon comes in. Y'all, well, not y'all, but many of you say, oh, he can't shoot. What is this guy? He shouldn't be playing. It's his, it's his, what game are we in for him? I mean, he didn't he play. He has played, he has played 14 about games. Game 10? 14. 14. Guys, he's got a four-year career. He is, they are very confident that he's going to be a good shooter in his career. This is all part of a process. These aren't pros where you can literally just say, not no, yeah, that guy's no good because they're mostly finished products. These are not finished products. It's so funny that we have to say this. Everyone's watched college basketball, right? I mean, yeah. how many different people players are different than when they first started. I mean, let's go through all the UCLA players that were different from freshman. I mean, Jules Bernard. Did you see Jules Bernard's clips of him in the G League? Yeah. And then remember what Jules Bernard was like? Yeah, I didn't a see freshman? a single drive to nowhere in there. It looks like a different human being. So, yeah. so guys, just take all that into consideration. The, the Some of the best things you can take away about Will McClendon he, he does take care of the ball well. He's a good passer. Those are things that are really hard to learn. Those are a lot of instinctual yeah, of no, knowing I, how I, to play. I, my, my thing with him is uh, I don't care if he, um, if he misses every shot he takes. He has to take his shots. Like There were two opportunities in this game where he needed to be the one taking the shot, and he decided to pass the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock. Um, he needs to take those shots. He should be 0 for 3 in this game, not 0 for 1. And UCLA should have two less turnovers. Um, that's my problem. Um, and that's the, the problem is I think his shooting is now affecting his confidence this year. And he just needs to keep shooting. Or Oregon Dude. State's a, we're talking about turnovers too. Oregon State runs a really funky defense. They move between man and zone. They move between a couple of different kind of zones. Um, so from one possession to the other... And in credit to them, a lot of a lot of teams can't do this because it's just too much for college players to be able to get. Especially, he's coaching a lot of freshmen. Um, but when you're coaching against different zones from possession to possession, a, a, a defender's in a space that he wasn't the last time, or or there just isn't a passing lane. So that can kind of create more turnovers. Um, and yep. it did. I mean, what did they have? Four or five in the first ten minutes. Well, there was a lot of really long shot clocks um, as UCLA kind of worked that it too. around. Yep. Um, and so there were two violations, and then a number of um, missed shots at the end, very end of a shot clock that were kind of forced. I mean, Man, didn't you want the Dar uh, Dylan Andrews to make that? Well, Damn, but I that's that one of the ones. But that's one of the ones I'm talking about. McClendon yeah. passed him the ball with like a no-win situation, and then McClendon passed it to Bona in a no-win situation. He has to take those shots. Yeah, and um, he will. You know, he, he will. will. But yeah. anyway, um, it was a really slow possession game. I saw somebody talking about it uh, in the in the game thread. Said, "Wow, it really feels up and down through the first eight minutes." And I'm like, "It's on pace for like 60 possessions, maybe less." And it finished with 59. Uh, this is one of the slowest games of the year for UCLA, which is why 62 is actually not a bad outcome. That's over a point per possession. Um, it's just they uh, didn't. You know what? I, what's great about this team, though, they can play at a pace. They'll 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 match up with teams. I mean, they want us. The UCLA would rather against a team that is plays at a high tempo. They'd rather slow it down and make it a possession game. But if you want to do that, yeah, we'll do that with you. We can do that. Yep. But if you're going to, like, what Oregon State's trying to do, they don't have as good a team. They're less talent, so let's minimize possessions and see if we can keep us close. And UCLA's going, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that, they're super <laughs> well, comfortable. We do that best, so well, yeah, that, let's That's do the that. thing is, like, th these uh, these guys were uh, sort of like Bane. You know, they were born and molded by it. I mean, that... 
that final four run, they were they were trying to limit it to about fifty five possessions a game. They're, and they're comfortable with this. It's such a great approach to build a team, and the building blocks are: let's build a possession by possession team that that can really do well in half court in both offense and defense, and then we'll layer on a better tempo and some transition rather than running up and down, running up and down. And then one year you don't have the talent and teams slow you down and you suck. Side note, side note. And this is, I think an important thing for everybody who under, uh, understands basketball, but also those who don't, um, uh, when you think out there of good tempo basketball teams, like ones that are really, really good that go up and down the court, what you're thinking of everyone is basically Roy Williams and everyone else who does it isn't that good at it. Yeah. Okay. Just just so you know, um, if you go back through the teams that win national championships, they're generally mid to slower tempo. Um, the only ones really who've won it who are high tempo are, are it's Roy Williams basically in the last twenty years. So just keep that in mind out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, Mid to slow tempo, it's it's winning basketball. Great, it's good basketball. Great, great, great point. Because everyone talks about it and is so enamored of it, but don't you want to win? Yeah. You would you win. rather win at a mid-tempo, or would you rather not win? And, and get dropped in the round of 32 all the time. <laughs> and you, play you, fast. You pick. You pick. And, and hit um, threes and throw down ducks. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, real side note, real inside baseball, how much did that one ref hate Jalen Clark? <laughs> he, he got talked called, to him a number of times, right? He got called on so much ticky tack nonsense. But he talked then, to him too. Oh, right? the, that beautiful one at the end. Yeah. Where the guy knocks him over. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe they'll call it a flop. Maybe. But he calls him for the foul, the personal foul, pulling him over. I don't think I've seen that called ever. <laughs> that was insane. Hey, can we, can we also do the flop is you start with your hands hot and then down it's not down and up no that yeah that should not be a flop uh, or maybe he's encouraging him to get up yeah <laughs> maybe that's what it is up get <laughs> no, up no, get up get up stop doing that um uh, but anyway uh I, I thought there was some clear 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 animosity from that ref towards and our, if we're talking our beautiful about boy j-rock um that uh we've got to talk about how recently uh mick cronin has been so much more subdued he smiled on the sideline he smiled and laughed yeah and i started to write that i'd never seen that since he's been at ucla and then i really thought about it and i've never seen that since he's been at UCLA. i honestly god I, I don't know that it I've... was after it was after a turnover amari <laughs> bailey's turnover yeah honest to god i don't remember seeing him high five a player and, and I, he high five kind of a low too. five but it was still a five <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it gave me joy that and the dem bonus hedging gave me joy last night among yeah them. no this this sparks joy um all right anyway we've talked a lot about oregon state uh it you take as much from it as you want to the big game is tomorrow uh ucla uh going to eugene to take on like here's the thing about oregon I don't even know if they're technically surging right now. Like they've still lost some games recently. Like they got, they lost to Stanford like two weeks ago. Um, this is, I mean, they're fine. They, they got, they got blown out by Arizona last week on the road. Um, but they're playing a little bit better. Um, they haven't lost to Utah Valley in the last month and a half, but they did lose to them a month and a half ago. Well, everyone's talking about why on our forum. Well, why are they so variable? And it, I mean, I don't even think it's that. I, I I don't even think they've been that variable. I think they just hit an easier slate stage of the schedule. That too. And then there's Will Richardson. <laughs> well, because he's that not guy turning the ball over like a freak. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he can win you games and lose you games. Yeah. And and it's just not his performance, but it's also you can clearly see there's some chemistry things going on. Oh, there. definitely. Definitely. So so yeah. Um People lose track of how much chemistry is such a key, a key part. And I hate to deal in rumor and innuendo, but did you hear all the rumors that are going around about the North Carolina, this year's North Carolina team? 
Yeah, man. There's lots of dynamics that can happen wow. in, uh, in the course of a basketball season. Not, not uh, saying that's true, but just so you all get, there's a real human element here that you have to take into consideration. Um, yeah. Freezing out, you know, bad chemistry among your backcourt, girlfriend yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing with Oregon. Uh, if you remember the game they played in December – and this is the reason why uh, watch this one and prepare to be maybe a little bit frustrated, guys, because UCLA, um, they tried to lose to this team in December when Oregon wasn't really healthy. Um, and they, did Dante play in that game? Dante played, but um, Cuisinart didn't. Um, and is it Cuisinart? Something like that. <laughs> Does uh, he get some royalties? Uh, yeah, I think it's Cuisinart. Um, there were a couple of guys who were dinged up and out. Um, they weren't super healthy. Um, they're playing better now than they were then. Now UCLA is a little bit more into like, that was at the beginning of their win streak. That was, you know, pretty soon after Baylor and Illinois, UCLA had not yet found its stride. So they're slightly different, uh, now than they were then. Uh, but it's a on paper, not a great matchup. Uh, Dante's six eleven. Where is seven feet? Yeah, there's there's a there's a matchup issue uh, from a height perspective. Uh, Bone is obviously playing a lot better since then, but still, uh, this is going to be some matchup problems. Big thing though, Oregon turns the ball over like they don't care at all, um, and they still kind of do. I mean, they've cleaned it up a little bit, but they're still turning the ball over a ton. Uh, UCLA is going to need to feast. This is one of those rare situations where UCLA probably wants to be the team forcing the tempo in this game. They want to probably get this one going. Not, doesn't need to be 70 possessions, but get it up into the mid to high 60s. Force some steals. Force something with um, with pressure. And try to create some points on defense. Because half court to half court, Oregon's going to be able to score. Uh, they've just got some some matchup problems for UCLA um, on the defensive end. UCLA probably needs to match them by forcing turnovers and getting up and down. Easily one of the top three most talented teams in in the conference. A Sweet 16 team in terms of talent. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Dante, he, he's like a Dembona, but an inch taller and 20 pounds heavier. Not quite the athlete but still dang pretty damn good athlete and he rebounds the hell out of the ball the guy that always gets me too yeah i've come to realize cuisinart and he's painful because he can just make because he's new and it took me a few games before i realized who he was this season yeah but quincy guerriere also also does me in sometimes you just go damn i forgot about him right yeah, there's there's a lot of matchup, and that I mean he's six eight and two twenty. Yeah, it's not a good three point shooting team, but they've got a lot of willing three point shooters, which means there's a lot of volatility here. Um, if they start making threes, good night. Like yeah. that's that'll be game and they for can, UCLA. And they can. I mean, between Richardson, Cuisinart, Guille. I, I mean Bartholomew. Those it, those guys a, are all in thirty four to thirty six percent. Now, it's a bad three-point shooting team collectively. They're, yes. they're at 31%. That's, yeah. that's bottom. That's because everyone takes threes. Bottom third nationally, but they take a ton of them. Like, yeah. they just take a ton, so there's a lot of volatility. If they hit a bunch, you're, you're, you're toast. If they don't, which is more, most likely, then you're in pretty good shape. Um, so there's that. Um, and there's the floor. It's just so distracting. It, it is. It's really distracting. And then there's the other thing, which is – Mick Cronin has not won at Eugene in his time as the UCLA head coach. Um, Oregon generally, even at home, has been a bit of a bugaboo for him. Um, this is, th- is going to be a real test here. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you go by the Ken Palm numbers, this is the most likely loss. I think it'll be the uh, uh, probably carrying forward the most likely loss for the uh, remainder of the regular season. Um so definitely circle this one. Definitely watch it. Um, but it could be could be a little bit of pulling your hair out if you have any left. And um, UCLA loses, let's just say. Sorry to mm-hmm. depress everyone. Um, 
and then you let's just you got to think that Arizona's going to win, right? Arizona's going to beat Stanford. You think? I'm thinking. So now we are essentially. So, did you watch them against Cal? I did. I watched the second half. So, well, the last twelve minutes. If Cal were a real team, they probably would have won that game. Wow. Yeah, Arizona. Why are they? I know it works with that outlet pass and everything, but now they're they're just doing it all the time for anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, Arizona probably beat Stanford. Um, so you're wondering, like, what's how's it going to shake out for? Well, let's just let's just speculate that they uh, both come away with. Uh, let's say UCLA loses, so UCLA is now it would be eleven and three in conference, right? Yep. And Arizona would be twelve and three. So um, Arizona nudges ahead by a half game. Yeah. What does the rest of the schedule look like between those two teams, Dave? Um, Arizona's uh, next four after or next three after that are easier than UCLA's next four. Um, they get Utah and Colorado at home, whereas UCLA has to get them on the road. Um, but it, probably it all gets decided in the last weekend. Um, Arizona could absolutely lose to USC before playing UCLA. I think Arizona's probably got two more losses left. Um, and the question is, does UCLA also have, you know, three losses left? So UCLA wins this game. Mm -hmm. Then they're in good shape. It's significantly, I mean, this is a huge hinge game here. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is uh, it's a it's a big game for a lot of reasons. It would give UCLA another quad one, um, and uh, would probably put them back in shape for as long as they win the 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 regular season finale against Arizona. Probably puts them back in shape for the top Pac twelve West seed. Um, so it's a huge huge game. It's a huge game for Oregon too. And this is the other thing is Oregon is now on the bubble. Um, pretty firmly after they looked left for dead a little bit ago. Um, blowing out USC last night, they're going to be really motivated to win this game uh, because it will not quite punch their ticket. Like, they could absolutely still collapse after this, but it's going to go a long way. Um, now, if they go out next week and decide to lose to Washington and Washington State on the road, they'll be back to square one. But these would be two huge wins for them. Um and if they can get UCLA, it's going to go a long, long way towards uh, making it to the NCAA tournament. I think this might be a game where Mick Cronin will not be laughing or smiling. I think there's going to be... Uh, okay, how many guys are going to play more than uh, eight minutes? <laughs> will it be six or seven is the real question. Well, I think... Okay, Ken Nawuba will play more than eight. Do you so? Because Bona will get in a little bit of foul trouble. Okay, that's the only reason. The only reason he will play more than eight. Um. Yeah. So and that's David why Singleton will play his thirty. Like in my review, is really good that Tiger and Jaime played twenty eight and twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, Jaime sat a huge portion. You know, I forgot. I forgot that I knew this, and then I forgot that. That was his first single-digit game, scoring-wise, in a long time, I think. Right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, well, eh, he might have had another weird one earlier this year where he also rebounded the crap out of the ball but scored. Let me see. He had – oh, no, he's had a couple. Uh, he had okay. nine against ASU. And, yeah, but uh, how many games ago was that? He was on a streak. That was on January 19th. Oh, okay. That was six games ago and then eight against Utah. Okay. But he also had 12 rebounds in that game. Yeah. Well, he, so he only he scores double digits, but then he gets, you know, 12 boards. Exactly. Um, so he's had three single-digit scoring games this year. But before that eight points against Utah, you have to go back all the way to February 19th, 2022 for his last single-digit game. Yeah. And that was when he was kind of dinged up. So, and then our friend Alex Mockover did and in combination with your piece, you really got a good sense of where the whole NCAA tournament seeding thing is going to be. And it, it kind of, tell me if I'm wrong, it kind of really comes down to 
It's between UCLA and Arizona to stay in the West completely, right? Yeah. So right now, so let's 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 put it this way: UCLA would have to absolutely collapse to not get Sacramento. Um, Sacramento is almost a done deal. Right. Um, it would have to be Sacramento. By the to, way, is first and second round. First and second round. They'd have to drop out of like the top four seeds, and that just barring like really crazy outcomes, that's not happening. UCLA will have a top four seed. The question is. Are they going to have a semi-collapse and fall to like a three or a four seed? Or are they going to maintain a two? Or are they going to surge and end up with the one or two in the West? To end up with the one or two in the West, they've got to beat out Arizona. Arizona is currently not a metrics darling, but for whatever reason, the bracketologists, they're kind of a darling of the bracketologies. They're the top two seed on bracket matrix, hovering around a one seed. Some of them have them as a one seed already. Um, and they've got a pretty weak slate going forward, except they still have to play USC and UCLA. If UCLA wins the second match and does something like no more than one loss through the end of the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, it makes the finals. They'll probably be the 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 you know the banner carrier in the uh, Pac-12. Um, if not, if not, it's Arizona. Right, and then UCLA will certainly go, go to Sacramento, but then. Might be New York, might be whatever, whatever the other regionals are. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you and this is where it gets some people are being a little bit wonky about it. And they're saying, well, I don't really want to see them in Vegas because they've had trouble in Vegas. And I would say to that, you haven't seen them in Vegas in the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be a whole lot different when there's a bunch of UCLA fans there for the NCAA tournament than it is for random game in November and Thanksgiving. Right, like UCLA fans aren't traveling to Vegas for Thanksgiving because they can hang out in L.A. with their families. I'll say Wis- this, though. Wisconsin fans travel to Vegas whenever they can because they live in Wisconsin. Spend Thanksgiving in Vegas. It's fine. Okay, I'll say this, though. Yeah. So one of the regional finals, mm, well, it's got to be the East Regional, uh, is in Madison Square Garden, right? Yep. When UCLA plays in Madison Square Garden, there's a big turnout because there's ex there's UCLA alumni in New York. And this almost is the one, turns out better than anything we've seen in Vegas lately. And I would almost find that compelling. It really depends on who are the uh, who's the one seed that they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the projected one seeds, there's none that are really super local to uh, to uh, Madison Square Garden. So. I don't know. You could talk me into it. Um, okay, you're going. Am I going to the regional? <laughs> yeah, do you want to go to New York? No, I'm going to the Final Four if they go. Okay. I don't know about the regional. Okay. Anyway, um, so anyway, control your own destiny. I still think the best thing is probably to go through Vegas. It's shorter travel. Fans can get there a little bit easier. I think you'll get a lot of students um, making the drive to Vegas for that. In a way that they necessarily they wouldn't necessarily for again a Thanksgiving visit to play Gonzaga, um, so I think there's uh, there's a lot of reason to still want Vegas, and I don't buy the stuff that they just can't shoot on those rims. As we've seen, they can't shoot on any rims. Uh, <laughs> there's also the thing that you will have just been there two weeks before, if you are a traveler fan, right, for the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, but how many fans are even going to that? We saw last year UCLA fans don't travel to the Pac-12 tournament. It would be interesting. We need to – got to go look. Uh, there's got to be some kind of – well, can't find it. But UCLA fans that showed up at Madison Square Garden or those that showed up in Vegas this year. So, I would bet that the turnout for an NCAA tournament game in Vegas would be a lot better than it is for Pac-12 tournament. Okay. I'll go with that. Everyone uh, go to Vegas. Go to Vegas. Um, all right. So is that it? Yeah. Do we yeah. Have I'm off for the rest. Of- well, maybe. You're off. If Dave lets me. Yay. Dave's going to let me. Yeah. No, have, a, have, a, have a good Friday with the family. Thanks, all, Dave. All, 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 My all wife and I are going to go sneeze together. Yeah, you should. You should have a celebratory sneeze. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods. We're on Online. We'll talk to you again next time. See you all soon.